Amen. You look good this morning. How many people are here for the very first time ever? Anybody? Right here? Welcome. Welcome. It's good to have you guys. Over here? Welcome. Good to have you guys. Welcome. Good to have you. Thanks for coming. <laughs> I, know, I know better than It's your first time in a week. <laughs> what is his name, by the way? No, I know. <laughs> oh, man, it's good to see you. It's good to have uh, Kara back and little Finn. And uh, did I see Ben sneaking over there? Well, hey, Ben, come up here, man. You're so pretty. You need to come up on the stage. Ben just finished up the 18-inch uh, 18 18-inch journey. Yeah. How was that, brother? It was fantastic. With, with the Helsers? Yeah. yeah. Six yeah. months, right? Six months, yeah. Awesome. You so look good, good, man. Thank you. You got to come share and tell us about it. I will. Okay. I will. All right. Did you eat while you were there? It, you can't tell. <laughs> Guy's thin. Yeah, he spent six weeks down there with the Helsers in a, in a ministry intensive. So can't, six months, six months, six months. Six weeks plus. Yeah. So it's good to see you guys again. I actually have not spoken here in several weeks, so I'm, I've got my double barrel, and I am loaded and ready to fire. <laughs> just, I'm just kidding. I'm not at all. Not at all. Today I want to talk to you about the hidden seed. I've talked to you about this a lot, uh, but I feel that it's appropriate uh, for this morning. Let me say just before we go on, especially for our visitors, our bathrooms are through that door. Uh, we do have a small, uh, not even a small leak anymore. Apparently it's a major leak that we need to get repaired. But if you go in there, the bathrooms, that carpet area, we've got a fan blowing on it, but it's wet. So just be careful. You found the water. Thank you. He just told me there were no bangs, but I found a water. So for the last few years, we've talked about being bearers of God's glory. In the same way that Jacob, who just walked off the stage, is a bearer of the name Bunton, we as children, as sons and daughters of God, are bearers of the glory, bearers of his image. Can you, have you ever thought about that? Bearers of his image. We were made in his image and after his likeness. And we are ambassadors of his kingdom, and it's our job and responsibility. It, it, I think it should be said it's our joy to release the goods of the kingdom to broken creation. We carry his glory. And the kingdom of God is not something that's far off, that's coming. Jesus said even 2,000 years ago, he said, look, boys, the kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom of God is within you. We learned two years ago that the kingdom, or the Greek calls it the basilia, is the royalty, the rule, the realm, and the reign of God. So if, it, if I could say the kingdom of God is in you, it would be fair to say the rule of God is in you. The realm of God is in you, the reign of God is in you, and, and his royalty is in you. Royalty, rule, realm, and reign. So it, let's just take the one word realm. So the realm of God, the realm of the spirit, is not some mystical thing way out there, but it's inside of me. When Jesus said, in my father's house are many mansions, he didn't say, in my father's house, I'm going to go build you some mansions. He said, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And I go there to prepare you a place. I go to prepare you a place. You are the place that he is preparing, and he's preparing you to be the place for his spirit to dwell. Now, I hope to God, and I want one, because I've never lived in a mansion. When I, when I die, I hope to God that I have the biggest mansion uh, on the biggest street, and I want them to be streets of God. I'm for all of that. What I'm not for is putting off everything that's good and positive about the kingdom into the sweet, you know, sweet by and by. That's great. I want to make heaven my home, but I want to make my home like heaven. 
And so Jesus is saying, look, boys, you've got it all twisted. The kingdom of God, it's in you. You're bearers of the glory of God. You literally have. I want you to think about this. I know I'm off subject, not really off subject, but off my notes just for a second. But the Bible says that in the beginning, uh, when God was creating the heaven and the earth, that God spoke and God said, let there be light. Really what he said was, light be. Have you ever thought about that God did not take some obscure, dirty matter and create light? Because there was nothing for him to create light from. He hadn't created anything yet. So what he did was, when he said light be, was he took an inner part of himself and said light be. And as he spoke light be, light came out of his womb into creation. And we can all agree on that. So light is not something that was out there. It wasn't like a candle that he lit. It was the light that was inside of him that he projected forth from himself. If we are bearers of the glory of God, then we should do exactly what she said this morning. We should be able to speak and declare and cause the manifestation of the kingdom everywhere we go. But what we've done is we've reduced the Christian life to living morally, and you should, and living good, and hoping for one day you get a big house somewhere in, in Disneyland out in space. And that's not what Jesus, there's not one time you will ever find that Jesus tells you how to get to heaven. What he tells you is how to get to the Father, and the way to get to the Father is to release the heaven that's inside of you. I'm, I'm for heaven. Don't misunderstand. But Jesus, you, you can't find it. I challenge anybody to go and find a place where Jesus said, hey, boys, this is how you get to heaven. He never said that. He said, the kingdom of heaven is within you, but I'm going to show you how to get back to the Father. Because the voice that walked with Adam is still in the garden, and he's looking to commune with sons and daughters still. Come back to the garden with me. Hmm. So we're bearers of his glory. It's been a lack of true teaching on the kingdom, where, what it is and where it is and where it is not, that has caused us through the years to trade in real power for performance and programs. I'll say that where this church lacks in performance and programs, we more than make up for in power. I'm for programs. I'm for performance, in fact. I, I like performance. If, I, if I'm going to go hear you sing, you better be able to carry a tune or I'm not staying through the whole concert. So I'm for performance. I, you should sound well. You should do everything that you do with excellence. But if all you have is performance without power, that's not Christianity. That's not spirit-filled life. That's just simply performance. And if you're doing it in a church and you're not doing it across the world or in Nashville, then there's probably somebody doing it a little bit better than you that I'd rather listen to. We've traded in performance for our power for, for performance and program. We've been duped in believing that all that God has for us is coming some glad morning. When this life is over, I'll fly away. That's great. I'm glad that that happens. But, but while you're still here and you don't have your wings and you're not flying, what about now? What about right now? We try to live good enough to keep enough commandments that we know so that when we get to the big white throne, we hear the voice of God call us sheep and not goat. And then after our life is replayed on a movie screen, I'm assuming it's going to be 3D, in front of everyone who's ever lived and in front of the big white faceless God that we saw on the, what they call gospel tracks. And hopefully we pass the litmus test, which is apparently suffering enough for Jesus. I said it real quick so it didn't hurt. You remember those little tracks he used to hand out? I used to hand them out. And on all those tracks, God is a big, white, faceless, mad person. Just If you would do me the favor, if this is your first time, listen to everything I have to say and then judge me when I get finished saying it. 
Jesus, Jesus showed us what the face of the Father looked like. It looked just like Jesus. And what did he do? He went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. By the way, that's in your Bible. You might want to read it. Jesus went about doing good. And in fact, Jesus didn't really have a problem with sinners. Now, to be sure, before anybody twists what I'm saying, when Jesus went and hung out with sinners, he was the influencer and not the influencee. And so if he went and hung out with, with the, what they call the drunkards, Jesus did not become a drunkard. He hung out with them, but he said, hey, boys, that's something I can fill you with. And when you drink this, you talk about a, you talk about a high you'll never come off of. When Jesus hung out with harlots, Jesus did not become a harlot. What he said was, if you listen to, the, to what I'm telling you, you'll find real love and you won't sell yourself so cheap anymore. Jesus didn't have a problem with sinners. Jesus had a problem with religious hypocrites. That's who he had a problem with. In fact, he called them snakes, scorpions, vipers. And he said, he said look, you're whole. You've got it all figured out. Jesus was so sweetly, wonderfully sarcastic to religious people. He's funny. Have you ever read the Gospels and read the way he deals with them? He's so, he was just a genius. Yes, we know that he was God, but he was God made flesh. He was also man. And they would ask him a question. Well, Moses says this, and what do you say? And he would say, let me ask you a question. He always stumped them. He almost never straightforward answered the question. He answered their question with a question. The baptism of John, was it of God or from men? Because he knew if they said of God, he would say, well, why aren't you listening to him? And if they said of men, the people were there, they were afraid of the people, they would have stoned them. So what he did was he shut up the religious crowd with just one small question. He didn't like religious people. He loved them. He wanted them saved. But he's like, look, you think you got it all figured out? That's fine. The problem is you're blind and the people behind you are going to fall in the same ditch you're in. Well, hello. It's truth. He's not a big, white, faceless God. He's not a big, white, faceless God. So one, this, is, this is the story we get. This is the story we get. Tell me if it's true or not. You never know. When you leave today, you might wrap that car around a tree and die. And you'll stand before God and he's going to call you a goat or a sheep. And most of the creation he's ever created is going to bust hell wide open. You better pray to God. That you, and that's good news? That's gospel? If that's good news, don't tell me bad news. I'd be, I'd be terrified to know bad news. The word gospel literally translated is good news. Better translated is the God story. And the God story is he that knew no sin was made sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's good news. Here's good news. Hey, boys, the kingdom of God ain't there, and you don't have to die to get there. The kingdom of God is within you. I can't, the thief comes to steal and to kill and destroy, but I am come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. It's at hand. Just take a hold of it. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's ridiculous to think that that other mess is the gospel. First of all, God is not faceless. He looks like Jesus because he is God. And God is love, and he's not mad. The kingdom is not a floating city due to make its landing someday. Sorry, I just need to cut through the stuff to get to my point. The kingdom of God is within you. 
You may ask why you're not seeing the same effects that the early church saw when there were daily miracles, daily signs, and daily wonders, when they walked in power and true authority and not man-made religious hierarchy, when they spoke with the same authority that Jesus himself spoke with and their words were always confirmed by the works of the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you, those days are right upon us again. They're approaching again. We're walking in a day where we're going to see. Jesus promised. He said, look, boys, these works and greater you're going to do. Not you might do, not maybe it's going to happen one day, not if you look, look, these works and greater shall you do. And he was not just talking to the early apostles. There's no such thing as the ceasing of the Spirit, and since the Spirit didn't cease, neither did his works. Since the Spirit still lives, miracles still happen. Since the Spirit is still moving and alive, look, you come too late to tell me. I've watched blind people, be. I've watched them get their sight. You've come too late to tell me. I've watched a little crippled three or four-year-old boy taken in the arms of Bishop John one of my early mentors, and, and he hugged him in India. And when he got done with him, that little boy walked across the stage that had never walked to his mother. You come too late to tell me God doesn't do miracles. What happens is we lessen our theology to match our experience. And because we don't see the power of God, then we have to make up theology that makes an excuse for why God ain't doing what we say he can do. And we've got to stop lessening our theology to match our experience and just let God be God and let our experience catch up. When your wife is sick at home, you still declare he's the healer. When your son is still is strung out on crack, you still say he's a deliverer. When your marriage is falling apart, he's a restorer. My God. When your finances are falling apart, he's Jehovah Jireh. He is God, my provider. The facts might say that I'm broken, but the truth is I'm made whole. The facts might say I'm sick, but the truth is that he took the stripes on his back for my healing. With his stripes, we are healed. By his stripes, we were healed. <clears throat> the days are coming again where the spirit will rush in like a roaring river and everyone the river touches will be made whole. And you are a part of that. <clears throat> the precursor to this happening is you're hearing about it. Because faith comes by hearing. Faith comes by hearing. That's why I loved when she got up this morning and said, he prophesied a promotion and it came to our family. That, that's, not, that's, that, that's not her giving me some sort of a, a, she's just trying to produce faith in you. When God moves in your life, when God does whatever might seem insignificant or it might seem a heaping big deal, you should always get up and say, I need to tell you what God's done. Like what Robin shared this morning. Let me tell you what God's done for me. Let me tell you this. The most powerful thing about every single person is your individual account and relationship with God. The most powerful thing you will ever minister is not a revelation of the scripture. It's a revelation of God in you. This is what he did for me because it's unique to you. And a whole lot of preachers get up on a stage and try to copy what they've heard somebody else say and it has no power. That's because it's not based on experience. It's based on something they learn with their mind. And you're not going to walk into the, the newness of the kingdom through your mind. It's going to have to happen through your heart. And at you, once you're in the kingdom through your heart, then your mind is renewed. Be you not conformed to the pattern of this world, but be you transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. Not the newing, the renewing. Not the newing. God's not going to give you a new mind. He's going to cause it to be what it was in the first place. What was it in the first place? If 
And when I hear the word first place, I think of Genesis because Genesis means the beginnings. And in the beginning, when God created Adam, he made him in his image and after his likeness. He said, Adam, what do you want to name that animal? And Adam said, I'd call it a lion. And God said, that's exactly what I was thinking. What do you want to call that one? That looks like a bunny rabbit. And God said, that's exactly what I'm thinking. And then the angel whispered to God and said, hey, God, we got this. We got a bunch of clay and stuff left over. What do you want to make? And God said, make a platypus. And the angel said, wait a minute, are you kidding me? LOL. And God said, yeah, LOL, just make it. Adam named it. And God said, that's exactly what I was thinking because they had one mind. What happened to Adam was he believed a voice other than his father's. He listened to and believed a voice other than his father's. And here's what the father's voice says. You're just like me. You're created in my image after my likeness. The, the voice of the enemy, the voice of the thief that comes to steal and kill says, if you eat this fruit, then you will become like God. Let's just take the fruit part out of it. The enemy said, you have to do something to be like God. And God said, you were created like me. You have my DNA inside of you. When I picked you up and you were nothing but, but lifeless flesh and dust, and I pulled your mouth up to my mouth and blew into your nostrils the breath of life, you, you carry in your being my DNA. You don't have to do something to become like God. You were created like him. You don't have to do something to be like God, but you might have to undo some stuff to be like God. And most of what you undo is man-made religious systems that tell you what you have to do to be like him. And when you undo that, you realize, I've been like you the whole time. The issue was, I believed a lie. I needed my mind renewed. The truth is, all that is going to manifest in, through, and from you is already within you. But for some of us, it is hidden. The kingdom is a hidden seed. Planted deep within the soil of our soul, recessed and settled in the hidden place of the heart. But the kingdom is in there. What is it? Prego? It's in there. The fullness of the kingdom, it just hasn't manifested yet. It may not look like much, but most seeds don't look like much. Seeds are only appreciated by those who understand the intrinsic power hidden within. But whatever you do, don't doubt the seed. The world will look at the seed and laugh. God looks at the seed and sees a mighty oak. Then Jesus asked, what is the kingdom of God like? Or what shall I compare it to? This is, I'm sorry, Luke chapter 13. Verse 18. Then Jesus asked, what is the kingdom of God like? What shall I compare it to? He didn't say it's a flying city. It's funny to us, to some of us, some of you, this is challenging because you're like, that's what I've always believed. Well, let me, it's better news than that. It's not a flying city. It's like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his garden. It grew and became a tree, and the birds perched in its branches. And again, he asked, what shall I compare the kingdom of God to? It's like yeast that a woman took and mixed in into about 60 pounds of flour. 60 pounds of flour. Jesus was preaching right there. That girl's going to make 600 biscuits. <laughs> Good Lord have mercy. I mean, Jesus was a southerner. He liked biscuits. <laughs> we went to Shat. My birthday was yesterday. I turned 27. Plus 15. <laughs> and we went to uh, Shatley Springs, and, and they brought out biscuits. And cornbread. But see, I'm not a cornbread guy because I didn't grow up on cornbread. 
If you compare cornbread to biscuit, it's like comparing a Volkswagen to a Rolls Royce. Just don't do it. Will a Rolls Royce, I mean, will a Volkswagen get you from A to B? Yeah, but would you not rather ride the biscuit? Let me tell you, that biscuit rode from the top of my mouth all the way to the soles of my, of my insides. It made me warm and cozy. It felt like a Holy Spirit. It made me warm and cozy inside. <laughs> I need to get back to preaching because you get me talking about food and we're going to be here till three. But anyways, I'm just saying, Jesus said yeast was good. Jesus says leaven's good. So anybody want to bring some yeast rolls next week? I'm, I mean, that's what Logan's rolls are. I talk about Logan's rolls a lot because, you know, they're part of the kingdom. <laughs> Obviously, they're made all day. They're made all day, she says. Jesus, Jesus says the kingdom of God is like a seed. The parable of the mustard seed is found in three gospels. Listen, don't miss this. Matthew 13, 31 through 32. It is the smallest seed planted in Palestine, but it's sown in a field. In Mark chapter 4, 30 through 32, it's the smallest seed, but it's sown in the earth. And in Luke 13, 18 and 19, it's the smallest of all seeds sown in a garden, or to be precise, in his own garden. So you've got a seed planted in a field, planted in the earth, and planted in a garden. Now these are the synoptic gospels, which is to say they follow the story and the narrative of, of Jesus' life. And you can read pretty much all of the stories of Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke. Now John's a little peculiar because John was a little more about putting his head on Jesus' chest and hearing the very heartbeat of God. That's why he would start like in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Amen. I love John. John's my boy. Me and John. In Matthew, the seed is planted in a field. In Greek, the word field is agros, and it means, it means uh, generally a country, specifically a hamlet, a country, a farm, a piece of ground, of land. In Mark, the seed is planted in the earth, and the word earth in the Greek is G-H-A-Y, gay. It's, con it's contracted from a primary word, which means soil, by, by extension a region, or the solid part or the whole terrain of the globe, which means the earth. But in Luke, it's sown in a garden, which is kapos in the Greek. It's of uncertain affinity, but it means a garden. I know what I'm talking about. Literally in his own garden. So the kingdom is going to grow and supersede all other plants in the whole earth, in this country, but first in me. Why am I not seeing an explosion of evangelism around the world? And the father would say because the seed has first got to be planted in the garden. In his own garden is the literal rendering. Oh, then what happens? Then once it's planted in its own garden, then it's planted in the country. It starts to influence the country. Oh, so then it grows like a rock dropped into the middle of a pond and the ripples get bigger. What about after that? And then in the whole earth. Lord, show us. Let us see, let us see the earth changed. But your house is going to hell in a handbasket. God, I, I ask you just to do, use my hands to do a miracle. Help, you help me to help the blind to see. But you had not looked at your husband and told him you loved him in three and a half months. Or your wife or whatever. Father, I just want to go down to the homeless shelter. And we're going to do that. Go to the homeless shelter and feed the people that are down there. But you hadn't sat at a meal with your children and talked about the word of God or talked about the moving of the spirit in months. And you think you're going to change the world going to Fifth Street Ministries. First in the garden. Then in the country. Then in the earth. It's unique that in every single account, it's called the small seed, a smaller seed, and the smallest of all seeds. 
the smallest of all seeds was the one planted in the garden. So the kingdom of God is going to seem like the most insignificant thing that's ever happened to you. That's okay. It's a seed. Let the seed germinate. Let it take root. How do you do that? Well, you renew your mind. How? With the washing of water by the word. Have yourself before his presence. How do you grow a plant? You put a plant in soil. You give it water. Water in the scriptures is a representation or a type of his spirit. Have it in the spirit. And you give it light. You give it sunlight. Revelation. Holy Spirit. Remember what Jesus would say. How is it that you can, how is it you can discern the seasons but you can't discern the signs of the times? How is it that you can, uh, how many of you have, green, have what they call a green thumb? Now, now my mother doesn't so don't put your hand up and lie to them. I've seen my mom kill a fake Christmas tree before. <laughs> Dried up from the roots. No, but she did water one one time. And it had Christmas lights on. It was an explosive mess. If you have a green thumb, you know. If you take a seed, you put it in good soil. There's two things you're going to have to do to that seed to make it germinate. What's that? It's going to have, first of all, it's going to have to be in the proper environment. Good soil. I like the parable of the sower. Remember when I told you about the parable of the sower? The Bible says, and some fell among thorns. and thorns. The, the, the good thing about the sower is he sows indiscriminately. He never judged the ground worthy of unworthy. He just sows his seed. But if you take the seed, you know it's got to be put in good soil. That's why I say good seed sown into good soil brings good fruit. And once it's put in that soil, do you just leave it there? No, you have to tend the seed. You're going to have to water it. Well, the seed of God, the kingdom of God is a seed inside of you. You want to see it grow? You have to tend to it. Let me tell you how not to tend to it. You do not tend to it by showing up at 10, 31, 37, 43, whatever, on Sundays, staying until 12, 15, and saying nothing or doing nothing to the seed until that same time the next Sunday. If you do that, your plant will never, or it's never going to break forth through the fallow ground. What you're going to have to do is, is daily tend to it, water it. Okay, this is a small seed, I get that. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to spend, I'm going to spend time in, in your word. I'm going to spend time in prayer and in worship. Well, I don't sing. I didn't say you had to sing. I said worship. Worship. Worth-ship. What is he worth to you? Is he worth an hour and 20 minutes on Sundays? Well, that's fine. That's about the harvest you're going to see. Or do you want to cultivate something that literally would change your life and then your family and then your community, and then the nation, and then the nations. We ask God for the nations, but, our, but we don't have our own house in order. So the kingdom is going to grow and supersede all other plants in the whole earth, in this country, but first in me. I am the garden of God. I am his planting. Now, Isaiah chapter 61. I'm finishing up. Isaiah chapter 61. You should know this one because Jesus is going to, Jesus is going to quote it. In the New Testament, the Spirit of God, the Master, is on me because God anointed me. You remember this when Jesus picks up the scroll and reads? He sent me to preach good news to the poor. What kind of news? Just curious. To heal the brokenhearted, to announce freedom to all captives, to pardon all prisoners. Mm -hmm. God sent me to announce the year of his grace, a celebration of God's destruction of our enemies, and to comfort all who mourn, to care for the needs of all who mourn in Zion, to give them bouquets of roses instead of ashes, or beauty for ashes, messages of joy instead of news of doom. That's what you hear here. A praising heart instead of a languid spirit. Rename them oaks of righteousness, 
planted by God to display His glory. What? You're an oak of righteousness? I'm not an oak of righteousness, man. I, I, I've never even stood up. Man, there's the, uh, you're a seed. The same God that wraps an oak in a small seed is the same kind of God that can wrap his own self and put it in the womb of a little virgin girl and cause it to come forth. I don't see the great big. That's okay. Let the kingdom start small. It always does. Every major thing that God has ever done has always started in something seemingly insignificant and, and obscure. We read the story of the Gospels. We read the story of Jesus' birth. And we said, oh, my God, because we know the end of the story. But in that day, there was nothing glorious about it except for a few shepherds and some wise men. Rename them oaks of righteousness planted by God to display his glory. They'll rebuild the old ruins. I'm prophesying now. Raise a new city out of the wreckage. They'll start over on the ruined cities. Take the rubble left behind and make it new. My God, it sounds like, sounds like children of God. It sounds like God himself. Like God has had kids and the kids have his DNA and say, I refuse to live in rubble. I'm going to take the rubble of my past and I'm going to put them. They'll be the foundation for my future. You'll hire outsiders to herd your flocks and foreigners to work your fields. But you'll have the title priests of God, honored as ministers of our God. You'll feast on the bounty of nations and bask in their glory. You will get a double dose for your trouble and more than your share of contempt. Because of more of your share of contempt. Your inheritance in the land will be doubled and your joy will go on forever. How long? My God. I should, if I slowed it down and did it with my preachy voice, you would have said amen more than you did. You'll have the title, priests of God, honored as ministers of our God. You will feast on the bounties of nations. You will bask in their glory. Because you got a double dose of trouble and more than your share of contempt, your inheritance in the land will be doubled and your joy will go on forever. Because I, God, love fair dealing and hate thievery and crime. The thievery that he hates is the thievery of the thief that comes to steal and kill and destroy. He hated it so much that he came so that we could have life and have it more abundantly. Because I, God, love fair dealing and I hate thievery and crime. I'll pay your wages on time and in full and establish my covenant with you. Your descendants will become well known all over. Your children in foreign countries will be recognized at once as the people that I have blessed. I will sing for joy in God, explode in praise from deep in my soul. Sounds like a song. He dressed me up in a suit of salvation and outfitted me in a robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom who puts on a tuxedo and a bride jeweled with a tiara for as the earth burst with spring wildflowers and as the garden cascades with blossoms so the master God brings righteousness into full bloom and puts praise on display before the nations first the garden then the countries of the earth My God the kingdom is within you it is in there we don't see some of the results of the kingdom yet, but when the seed comes, when it matures, when it grows, the world will see its glory, but it has to start inside of you. First the garden, then the nations, then the whole earth will be filled with his glory. The seed was in his own disciples for three and a half years, but then the fruit began to show and the glory was seen when the seed matured. I said the glory is seen when the seed matures. The glory is seen. You don't look at a plot. You don't look at a, at a plant. That's, that is real. Woo. That is real. But you don't look at a pot with soil in it and put a seed in it and expect it to root and take root and, and break through the soil the same day. You tend to it. 
You got to tend to it. But the glory is seen when the seed matures. What's a seed have to do to mature? It has to die, except seeds can't die. They just simply change. They metamorphose. They open up. They allow what's inside to be broken. God, I just feel so broken. It's okay. Take root and grow. You're a seed. Take root and grow. God, he's so wise and he's so lovely in his wisdom that God said, I'm going to take the, the ashes of your past and I'll give you beauty. I'll allow the broken places of your life to be like a broken seed that will take root and show forth my glory when the seed matures. I mean, in his infinite wisdom, only God can do that. How perfect and immeasurable the plan of God that he chose to include us in his eternal purpose. First in the garden, then the country, then the whole earth. Because only God can take a seed and make a tree. Only God can make mighty out of something that's seemingly insignificant. Only God can look at your life and rejoice because he sees and declares the end from the beginning. Only God can make strength from weakness. Only God can make something out of nothing. Only God can breathe on a seed and cause it to germinate to become an oak. Only God can take the dirt that people have thrown on your life and turn it into the seedbed of spiritual growth. Only God, good they thought they buried you, but in reality, God used them to plant you in the garden of his purposes and good pleasure. Only God can make beauty out of ashes. Only God can give you joy for sorrow. Only God can take your tears and water the garden that will produce his fruit in his season. Only God can turn a test into a testimony. Only God can bring restoration out of destruction. Only God can make a butterfly out of a worm. Only God by his spirit can go into the deepest receptacle of your soul and cause new life to form. Only God can do it. Only God can do it. Only God can look at a seed and say, I declare you're an oak tree. Only God can look at a broken, broken vessel and say, you're a seed, but you're planted, and you'll bring forth and show my glory. Only God can look at a broken family and say, I'm going to put the family together, and the fruit of their loins is going to praise me throughout the nations. Only God can do it. Only God can do it. Yeah. 1 Corinthians 5, the tra Passion Translation says, And this is no empty hope, for God himself is the one who has prepared us for this wonderful destiny. And to confirm the promise, he's given us the Holy Spirit like an engagement ring as a guarantee. I promise you. I promise you, I've got more for you. I'm going to marry you, and you're going to be able to sign my checks. In fact, I'm going to give you an empty checkbook, and you can write it for whatever you want to write it. And so, so that you believe me, I, in about, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you an engagement ring, and his name is the Holy Spirit. The King James calls it the earnest of your inheritance. But in reality, really what he was doing was, I'm going to marry the church. And just to prove that I'm actually going to marry the church, I'm going to put a ring on her finger called the Holy Spirit. But in God's economy, an engagement is just the same as the marriage because his word's at stake. So once you get the Holy Spirit, let, let, look out. You can do all that he says you can do. You can do all that's declared in the book. Almost finished. By giving us the Holy Spirit, God is making us a promise. A guarantee that we're going to receive the full inheritance. Can you imagine? If the Holy Spirit is the down payment. What does the full inheritance look like? You kidding me? This is Bible. The Holy Spirit is called the earnest of our inheritance, the down payment. Now, if any of, if any of you today were... Down payment does not equal whole. If any of you made a down payment in your home and the attorney at your office, well, that's it, your house is paid for, you'd jump and, my God, you kidding me? This was just a down payment. 
He's telling you, Holy Spirit, who speaks to you and, and brings you uh, truth and shines a light. He said, he said, I'll bring my spirit and he'll shine a light on all that I've said. Remember? That's what he said. He said, the words that I told you, you don't understand them. But when you have the Holy Spirit, he literally will shine a light on what I said. And he'll be like, oh, that's what he meant. That's what the Holy Spirit does. And that's the down payment. Remember when Peter was walking along uh, the roads and his shadow would fall on those that were sick? And his shadow falling on them, the sick would be made healed. The lame would be able to walk. Bill Johnson said, because whatever, uh, your, your shadow will always release whatever overshadows you. If by the Holy Spirit, you, you, people that can't walk have your shadow fall on them and then they can walk, and that's the down payment. Can you imagine how glorious an inheritance we have? And by the way, it ain't some glad morning. And depending on your perspective, and as far as I'm concerned, it was some glad morning when I got up for two reasons. Holy Spirit was there when I got up, and I had ham biscuits from Shatley Springs waiting on me in the kitchen. I said, the Lord is good all the time. His plans are to cultivate the seed within. Let me read this last scripture one more time. By giving us, I'm finished. By giving us the Holy Spirit, God is making a promise. A guarantee of receiving our full inheritance. The Greek word for down payment is erobon, And it's used in the Greek culture for an engagement ring. I bet you hadn't read that one before. Not just the earnest of our inheritance. Holy Spirit is your engagement ring. His plans are to cultivate the seed within. To make us oaks of righteousness, the planting of our Lord. Well, how does that happen? William, give me some music, babe. How does that happen? You surrender to the seed. My dad preached a masterpiece of a message years and years and years ago. He said, the seed's not the problem. The seed, the seed doesn't die. You can't kill a seed. In fact, I told you the story years ago of the, of the uh, this, maybe in the last seven or eight years, uh, some Chinese scientists came upon a seed that they found. They dated it to be 500 years old. And guess what it looked like? A seed. It didn't look like much, but it was 500 years old. And they said, I wonder what would happen if we took this old, dormant, 500-year-old seed and planted it. And do you know what happened? That rascal germinated. They threw it in soil. They put some water on it. Let the sun hit it, and before long, it sprouted. And they said, my God, if a seed that's been dormant for 500 years with a little bit of water and sunlight can sprout, what can happen to the dormant seeds inside of you when you surrender to the light of the Holy Spirit and the water of His presence? You tell me what could happen to you. Oh, I hadn't felt His presence in a long time. Surrender to the seed. The message that my dad preached was giving your ground to the seed. The issue with the seed is not the seed. The issue is what kind of grounds it planted in. If you got an old hardened heart, as they used to say, you old hardened heart, you know how you'd fix a hardened heart? It can be told us years ago, Judah plows. And the name Judah means praise. So if your heart's hard, just begin to praise. And before you know it, my God, I, this ground is all, all ready to receive some seed. That's why we praise before I preach. So that if there is some hardened ground in here while we're praising and getting things loosened up, you plowing the ground, plowing the ground. Next thing you know, let the, then the seed of the word goes deep into the soil of your soul. But if there's no praise first, if there's no plowing first, and you come in here and, and you're parched and dry, then we drop seed and it never manifests. You ever been here? Know the word was good. Know the promises of God were given. Know there were prophecies. And, and by the time you got the door, every bit of it was stolen. That's because you didn't prepare your heart. Wasn't nothing wrong with the seed. Wasn't nothing wrong with the word. Wasn't nothing wrong with something that happened here. The problem was you hadn't prepared your soil to receive the seed of his word. 
how do I do that? I've already told you, Judah plows. Lord, I praise you. I don't praise you based on what you've done. I'm going to praise you in advance and believe you because we say, God, if you'll do it, I'll, I'll believe it. And the Lord says, no, but if you'll believe it, I'll do it. The currency of the kingdom is faith. The currency of the kingdom in, the, in, this, in this realm is faith. Paul said, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The first word is the most, is the most crucial word in all of it. Now, now faith is. By faith we wrap onto the promises of God that are in the heavenly realm and we bring them into our now. Because right now we live in time and space. But God doesn't live in time and space. Time and space lives inside of God. And so what we do is we reach out by faith and say, Lord, it, and I, this, I'm not just trying to give you rhetoric. I'm just trying, I'm trying to give you exercise. All right, Lord, I know when I go home, my wife and I have been fighting for months. Marriage is on the rocks. Whatever, whatever your story is. You know, things aren't going well at work. I don't know how I'm going to pay the bills. Here's what I'm going to do. But you're my provider. So here's what I'm going to say. Father, thank you for providing for my family. If you're the provider and you own the cattle on a thousand hills, and, you own, and not only do you own the cattle, you own the hills too, and all the silver is yours and all the gold is yours, I'm going to stop killing myself trying to provide when you're the provider. Father, I need reconciliation in my family. Did you know in the New Testament the Bible says that we have been given the ministry of reconciliation? So here's what I do. I, the seed of the word that's been, so, that's been sown, that's been scattered this morning, I want my heart to be open to receive that seed. And I, not only am I going to receive the seed, but during this week and the, and the days and the weeks and months to come, I'm going to cultivate that seed because what I'm going to do is I'm going to give it water. And some of you water your seed with your own tears. That's okay. And I'm going to shine some light on it. I'm going to make sure it gets plenty of sunlight. How do you do that? Get in the word. I don't understand it. Well, get, get five or six different translations. They, they Really, they help each other out. I had never read until very recently, the Holy Spirit has an engagement ring. It was God thoughts what I said when I read it. I'm like, man, that's really good. I'll preach it from now on that way. Not just the earnest of our inheritance. So you get before the Word. You get before His presence. Here's the crazy thing. You just simply need to believe that God is absolutely crazy about you. He's in love with you. He's in love with you like a husband loves his wife. He's in love with you like a good father loves his children. He wants to give you the desires of your heart. Listen to me. That doesn't just mean give you the, give you the things you want. He wants to give you the, the things to desire. When the Bible says God will give you the desires of your heart, He'll give you the thing that you should desire. So, Lord, I open up my heart. I trust that the seed is good because the seed is your word. And I know that your word doesn't return to you void, but it will go forth and accomplish the thing whereunto you sent it. So I receive that seed. I commit to you this week to spend five minutes, 10 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever a day. Not trying to make something happen, not trying to force something. I just simply want to tend to that seed. For some of us, we'll water the seed with tears. 
For some of us, we'll be in the Bible and studying and reading. For some of us, we'll just sit in His presence and wait until He speaks. But that's how you cultivate the seed. That's how you cultivate the kingdom. The kingdom is grown. The kingdom is sown and the kingdom is grown. And all of it happens inside of you. So thank you, Father, for the kingdom that's being sown. The speed at which it grows is, is determined by how much I'm willing to, to water it, to give it sunlight. Thank you for giving us the frequency of heaven this morning, for letting us hear and match the sound from heaven. Thank you that you make beauty from ashes. Thank you that you give us joy for, for mourning. Thank you that you give us gladness, Lord, when there was sadness. Thank you that you give us abundance where there was lack. Abundance not just of money and stuff, but abundance of your presence. Abundance of joy. In fact, the kingdom of God is righteousness and peace and joy. I'd like, I ask you for a whole abundance of righteousness, a whole abundance of a peace, a whole abundance of joy. As we approach this season that we celebrate your birth, help us, Lord, to, to recognize the power of the seed in the same way that the seed of God was sown in the womb of a virgin woman. Let the seed of your word from this morning be sown in the womb and the hearts of everybody here to bring forth fruit. Thank you that you have lovely flowers in your garden and, and no two flowers look alike. I pray, Father, that you breathe upon these, your people. And you cause the seed to come forth. In Jesus' name, we'll be called Oaks of Righteousness. You've changed our name to Oaks of Righteousness. Thank you that when, when others see a shepherd boy, you will see a king. And when others see a seed, you see an oak tree. Some of us here, Lord, haven't so much as uttered your name in weeks or months. For those that are in that place, the Spirit and the Bride say, welcome home. The Father never left. He's waiting for you to speak His name. There may be someone here, Father, that has never experienced a true encounter with you where you came in and fully saved them, spirit, soul, mind, and body. And if that's the case, Lord, I pray that this morning they would come to a knowledge, to an understanding of what you've already done for them. There may be families here, Lord, that came in literally on the brink. And I pray that you breathe love and restoration into them, true reconciliation, born out of truth, and born out of commitment. There may be some here, Father, that are facing, facing financial disaster. You're still a miracle-working God. I pray, Father, that in this week they would see in some form or another, Lord, a miracle financially that would give them hope to press on even, even for more. Some here, Father, that are sick or ill. Some a part of this body that aren't here because they're sick or ill. I pray that this week, Lord, they begin to see the sprouting, the flourishing of healing in their body. Thank you for this season. We love you. 
And we give you praise in Jesus' name. And everybody said, <laughs> Amen. 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 Well, God bless you.